So some days goes that way. All right. Well, <laughs> so welcome to the Make More Keep More show. <laughs> uh, well, good deal. Uh, I'm excited for today, even if it is bad new, bad, uh, you know, bad mood, Ron is showing up today. Because we're going to talk about you all the what? stuff that's going to put you in even a worse mood. We're going to talk about the markets and finances, and that's yeah, yeah, it. yeah it's all that good stuff. Just get it all over with. <laughs> <laughs> um, so before we get to our show, which is all about making more and keeping more, with your good mood host Dominic and your bad mood host me, I got up at five thirty to write a client report this morning, and you saw because we were banging out some emails back and forth. Yeah. But um, my computer mouse, like the cursor mouse pointer just disappeared, like random, gone, despite probably a dozen restarts on my computer, would not come back to save my life. Do you guys have any idea how little you can do in a computer when your mouse disappears? Yeah. So anyway, I just, I'm supposed to be out the rest of the day with uh, the baby giant, which is my middle kid who starts law school two weeks from Monday, heading back tomorrow. And uh, so now I got to drop this computer off the shop or something like that. So no small children died. It is not the end of the world, but it just pissed me off all the same. But it feels like it. Feels like it. I hear you. Yeah. Had those days. No small children died. I got a couple of people, by the way, a couple of our listeners that I owe some stuff to. So you know who you are. I just saw you join. I will get that to you. Um, but not today because I have no computer. Well, that right. sounds like fun. And then I knocked over my glass of water, like right as we were going by here. You, I'm like, I don't know if I ever told you, but so like I do like a, so, a, sh- a shake in the morning and I think it was like our episode two or three and I dumped. I literally brought it out and sat it down on the desk and it dumped out, went on the soundboard all over everything right yeah. as you, right as I went live, like right when I went on with you. And so I'm texting Ivana, she comes out here and she's like, poor thing is like cleaning this up as I do it. But then she went for, I think our, I don't remember if it was our anniversary or just as a gift, she bought me a full blown like ninja blender i like to cook as well so it's a it's a multi-use thing and uh the little shakes come with little caps and now i can't spill them so it was a it was a smart move but yeah i know that so basically you have sippy cups i have sippy cups yeah there's <laughs> hey don't judge the sippy cup don't judge the sippy cup so i got a couple of things i i wanted to let i was excited so we've had some great guests on uh, over the last few weeks uh last week we had sam on and she was fantastic if you haven't listened to that show definitely go to the make more uh, make more, keep more show.com where you can grab all the old episodes. Uh, you can also pick it up on Spotify, uh, iTunes, Google, wherever you listen to your podcast. Uh, and we had a great show with her about her entrepreneurial journey. And then she dropped some, some bombs on, on uh, social media, how to use it, how to, to maximize it. So that was awesome. Uh, she's fantastic. Week before that, we had Ryan on to talk about his entrepreneurial journey because he's brand new to it. Um, and we've been working, actually, I spent some time with him this week, kind of going over his business and the road, you know, no roadblocks really, but just like stuff, you know, you don't know what you don't know kind of thing. And and the stuff that he's running into, which is a lot of fun to help him through that. Uh, so we, uh, we've had a couple of guests, but what we thought we'd do this week is kind of get back into 
you know, really some of the stuff that this, well, this every, every week's about what this show's about, about making more money and, and keeping more of your money. But there's been a lot of news over the last few weeks that I thought it'd be fun to talk about, uh, or maybe not fun, but at least uh, worthwhile to talk about. Um, right. We've had a lot of market volatility. We've had some interesting things. And then this morning, actually, and I don't know if this article came out this morning. Yeah, August 5th. It came out this morning in the Wall Street Journal. I read the Wall Street Journal online, so I don't I didn't see if it was in today's issue, but it looks like it was about this. Um, if the, the opening sentence is the if Congress passes the Inflation Reduction Act, Americans should expect more IRS audits. And it said it's seventy nine billion dollars to the Internal Revenue Service and funding over the next decade. Uh more than half of that would go to boost enforcement. Thirty billion would be to improve operations and technology, and then three billion. Oh, it's so nice of them. Three billion would go to taxpayer service. <laughs> so, they won't even. They won't even pick up their phones. I'll be back in one sec, Dominic, and we can chat. I'm just got to get some more water. For this yeah, show. sounds good. Uh, so, by the way, I will let you guys know that apparently throwing a temper tantrum when all else fails works. Because I knocked the chair over just to get the water off it while the show was starting. And guess whose mouse and cursor just appeared back on the screen? I think my computer sensed the violence yep. that uh, was about to be visited upon it. It knew it was next. I'm not a peaceful man, Dominic. Um, I want to be. You know, I, I want to be. We have fig trees in our backyard. And uh, my uh, wife last year, because they didn't produce anything, threatened them and was like, I'm tearing them out. Like, these things are gone if they don't come up with figs this year. And she's Sicilian, you know. Oh, yeah. And, and if a Sicilian threatens you with death, it's a serious thing, right? So yeah. this is no joke. And... <laughs> And this year, I mean, we can't stop the figs from coming off those trees right now. I mean, they are unbelievable. So, so there, there you, there you go. So, um, yeah, and I know some people are going to weigh in on this whole thing from a political standpoint, and that's not the point of this. But I thought with with the and, and obviously everybody has their opinions, and that's all good. I, that's not what I'm really talking about. It's just I kind think, of you know ahead. what? I think we all agree the IRS kind of sucks. Well, there's that. And, uh, there's no, no yeah. That's, that's political. They won't answer their phone. They'll disconnect you. You could be on hold for hours. And this happens to us on the practitioner line. And um, yep. they disconnect you and will not answer, you know. And if they get mad at you, if you're not nice to them, they'll just hang up mid-call. Yeah. So, but the fact that they're looking at adding 87,000 agents is, in fact, going to be a problem. Well, and if I'm not, if I read this article correctly, those eighty-seven thousand agents are happening regardless. This is an addition to that, unless I unless I read that wrong. But this is like no, that's part. It's part of the bill. It is part it of the bill. Part okay. Part of the bill to get to the eighty-seven thousand thousand agents. By the way, they also just bought a bunch of ammo. I don't know if you guys saw that. The IRS is loading up on ammo and if anyone can explain to me what exactly the irs needs ammo for i'd love to well don't they don't have they have an enforcement division that's entire that's uh gun carrying sworn officers right don't they 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 do yeah yeah they absolutely do so if you ever get those guys visiting you you got problems you've got problems but here's what i Uh, here's what i want to talk about about this because i thought this was kind of interesting because a lot of what we talk about in this show is like the benefits of uh, owning a business and how to get income sources and things and, and not necessarily being a salary uh, or or in this article mentioned salaried or pensioned. 
but what's interesting is it says now now a lot of it's to go after filers uh, over making over four hundred thousand dollars a year. But what's interesting to me is these, it says these taxpayers are most likely to have income from sources not automa automatically reported to the IRS. Um, and while the IRS is good at mining data to find missing income, it lacks the resources to make the best use of its skills. And it's kind of interesting because then it went on to list a few of these. And I, this is what I thought maybe getting your opinion on some of these. Obviously, you're very familiar with this bill, but I just thought this article was kind of cool. Uh, well, not cool. It just informative, I suppose. Uh, partnerships was the number one thing that it said that the IRS would be drilling down on. Um, and a lot of it had to do uh, with the fact that there are, according to IRS data, more than 4 million partnership returns were filed for the tax year 2018, but the agency only audited 140 partnership returns that year. Um, and obviously, and and the and coming back to I'll come back to that partnership in a minute. But the reason why all of this, if anybody's kind of wondering, that the, they say their math for every dollar that they spend on enforcement, they get five five to nine dollars in return. So that's a that's a pretty good return on investment for those guys. So tell me, what's the? Because actually, interestingly enough, we're we're thinking about forming a partnership for an investment that we're we're doing uh, actually in Ryan's company, uh, but. Tell me, what's the what's the deal with partnerships? Why is that such a why is that a hot topic? What do we need to worry about when you're forming a partnership? What's what's the what's the issue there? So, back to that in a moment. Let okay. me just give you guys some stats right now of the state of affairs as far as the IRS goes. Besides them, you know, just being terrible um as far as getting a hold of them or trying to do things oh and the biggest thing let me just give a couple comments we are noticing that they are markedly markedly stepping up enforcement so they are going COVID's over they don't care what happened to your business they want their money so we had a client we're trying to get our money released right now um some some notices went to the ex-husband ex-husband trashed them she had some medical stuff going on and they just grabbed her account um, what's ironic is we got another client right now who actually used to work for them that has not paid them for years, owes them big hundred thousand dollars and they're leaving her alone. So go figure that one out. Mm. But right now the current state of audits in America is you have, if you're a normie and, and for our definition today, normie means W2 jobs, no business. No, not, not making crazy amounts of money, just a normal person making normal, normal income. You've got about a 0.8% uh, chance of getting audited on any given year. So that means out of a thousand returns, you've got a 992 chance that no one's going to touch your return. 992 of those are going to get left alone. The minute you own a business, then that number jumps and they'll say, well, it increases by 50%, right? But it was only at eight, so now it goes to 12 out of 1,000 returns are going to get audited. So in partnership returns, remember the IRS not only has to hire these people, but they have to train them. Sure. And so it's going to be a while before they hit the streets and start kicking down doors. And a lot of what I see that they're going to go after is gig economy workers because self-employed are, are notorious for not paying their taxes and oh, not reporting cash. And now you've got PayPal and Venmo and all those guys are required to snitch on you. 
Mm-hmm. So if you're doing transactions, you're going to start seeing a lot more than 1099Ks. So right now, the odds really aren't that high. And partnership returns are some of the most complicated to audit. And so that's why they kind of leave those alone. By the way, please send me that article when you're done because I haven't seen that one. Yeah, I'll send it on. Um, so anyway, and by the way, here's the other thing. An audit really isn't something that you should be afraid of. Even though it's going to be an annoying annoyance and a complete pain in the ass, just keep in mind that as long as your documents are tight, meaning you kept a mileage log, you kept track of your receipts, all those sorts of things, the IRS is likely going to leave you alone. And in many cases, we have clients walk away with an increase. So, you know, an increase in the taxes that the money they get back. And so don't be afraid of it. It's not the end of the world. And a lot of the audits these days are informational audits, meaning they'll send you like, hey, can you send us documentation of this? We just want to prove it. And it's a way of keeping everybody, I guess, honest for lack of a better word. But we always encourage one of the things that we'll get done is people will say, well, I want to, I don't want to get audited. It's like wrong, wrong statement. Because you don't necessarily have control of it, whether you take more deductions or less deductions. You just want to make sure that if you're audited or when you're audited, that you survive intact. And the way to ensure that is just keeping tight records, but not being afraid of taking the write-off in the first place. Yeah. By the way, welcome everybody that's just jumped on. This is the Make More, Keep More show. I was in a bad mood. My mouse is working because I cursed it. And my computer was giving me problems earlier today. And I made another espresso, so now I'm back in a good mood. Oh, there you go. So it doesn't take a lot. I'll stay in a bad mood long. There's no point. You're simple, man. A good espresso, some Kazan or Kazar. Kazar, is that what your espresso usually is? Uh, Yeah, this one's the, uh, this one, I have an espresso machine we both do. And this one is the, um, the Turkish, they call it like Istanbul or something. That's one of their things. Pretty good. Let's try that one. Anyway. That's my two cents on that. Okay. Um, so I wouldn't be scared of forming a partnership. They work great in a lot of circumstances, particularly if you're foreign, you can't have an S-Corp. You can, um, we've got a client right now, I'll tell you guys a great story. Quick one. We've got a client where um, one partner has kids and a country club membership and all kinds of stuff that he wants to bury in the business. Now, there's rules around that. They don't really like you writing off country club memberships and things like that. Mm, that uh, but three martini lunches are back on the table. Uncle Trump got rid of them, which kind of makes sense because he's a teetotaler, doesn't drink. Um, Uncle Joe brought him back. And um, But anyway, so one partner has all these expenses and wants a new car and has a wife and kids. The other person doesn't. This young single guy who doesn't want any of that. And so trying to account for that on an S corporation Mm. where the one partner wanted to put some of that in the business is really hard to do because then you've got to adjust on the other side. So a much easier way is we encourage them to set up a partnership. Each partner gets paid out. It goes to their own S corp. And then this guy over here can put what he legally can in there. And this guy can just take it as income and stack cash. Yeah. So that's kind of the way that goes. Nice. 
Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I'll throw some of these other ones out at you, but um, in a minute here, uh, uh, some of the other ones that it mentioned is like hot button items just to get your your take on these. And I, I love that idea of like, you can't really control whether you're going to get an audit or not. So you might as well just take the deductions you're owed now, and just keep going. There, Document there's it. There's things that you can do, by the way, just so you know, to reduce your chances of getting audited. So making sure your math is tight, filing late on... I know one CPA who literally will back a wheelbarrow up to the IRS on October 15th with all of his clients' paper returns. And he's like, here you guys go at like 4.30 in the afternoon. So they've got to scan all those and get them into the system. And so his theory is, hey, they're not going to audit it. <laughs> um, and we'll go over another time. I'll pull up my list of things to do to avoid getting audited. Yeah. And, uh, it's actually a great video to put together. So I'm going to write that down. So Go we're, what else is we're uh, yeah, and, and that's actually, so interesting enough, folks, if, if you have some questions around just like finances, taxes, the markets right now, definitely throw them into the chat. I had actually posted up a question thing, did that a little bit on the late side and then forgot to uh, keep all those. So those questions. So yeah, that's on me. We'll, we'll answer those later. I don't remember what they were. Uh, but we also can use this, uh, I think episode kind of clean up some of the questions that we got over the last few weeks that if we just couldn't get to just because of the, uh, the topic wasn't quite on, 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 um, on the, on topic. So, um, but yeah, uh, so feel free to, to drop questions in here. So here's a couple of the things that listed. So the first one was partnerships. The second one was capital gains. Um, and okay. it, it's in a lot of it because it's, it appears if I'm reading this correctly, that the ultra wealthy tend to bury stuff into long-term capital gains, um, so that the tax rate, uh, is the effective because the top rate on long-term gains is 23.8 while the top rate on short term gains is 40.8. Um, that's one, uh, collectibles. This is kind of interesting. So they actually referenced the Mickey Mantle rookie, uh, baseball card that, that it's going to go up for auction. They assume we'll get at least $10 million at auction. So reporting those, they said most of those things are never reported. Here's one for you, uh, crypto. <laughs> so it said the IRS is so concerned about cryptocurrency's ability to be used for tax evasion that it put a crypto question on the front of the tax forms most individuals file. It's also pursuing court actions to force exchanges to identify large crypto investors who may not be compliant with tax rules. Uh, with more IRS funding, these I, these efforts could grow. And the last one they listed was estate and gift transfers. So any thoughts on any of those that are our audience should be aware of? Yeah, crypto is a big one. So there's actually, um, let's, next week, let's tackle that. Okay. Um, just because I have a checklist, but I didn't have it ready of when you, so what they want to know is, did you have any crypto during the year? And it's actually a very specific legal question with very specific legal answers where you can actually answer no, even though you would think the answer would be yes and vice versa. Mm. So basically what the IRS is doing, look, the government loves money. Um, I'll tell you something very interesting we'll go into later, but the Roth IRA is actually 25 years old today. So the Roth IRA was created 25 years ago. What a lot of people don't realize is the traditional IRA and 401k, those are only about 45 years old. So a lot of this stuff is new and the IRS is only 109 years old. 109, yeah, 109, 1913. We got the Federal Reserve and the IRS 
the same year and the country's gone to hell in a handbasket ever since now. Um, but so talking about this is number one, the government is really faced with a new economy that the government's trying to figure out what to do. So back in 1913, by the way, you guys may not even realize this, the majority of the country was self-employed. Then there was this big move after World War I to industrialize and people working for others, which allowed the government to control their paycheck and take money right off the top, right, and skim it and then square up with you later. And now we're going back to kind of a gig economy with Uber and online sales and Amazon FBO businesses and all those sorts of things. And now the government's trying to figure out how to adjust to that. And they're still operating on old 1960s and 1970s mainframe computers that are absolute garbage. And so a lot of these, these moves, Dominic, are the government trying to wrap their arms around a new crypto economy. And uh, by the way, do you own crypto? D? Yeah, not a lot. But okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, I got some too. I don't have a ton but, um, well, and I have less after it drops. Well, but, yeah. But I, do, I do throw some at it, you know, like I'm a fan. Sure. But now they're just trying to get their arms around it. And that's why more than ever, we're telling, you know, hey, if, again, if you're a W-2 wage earner and you have a mortgage that you write off and maybe some medical bills, you can use TurboTax. You'll be fine. The minute you go beyond that is when you want to start getting a professional in, particularly if you own a business, because that advice if they're actually giving the advice, will save you tons of money down the road um, and tons of, you know, hassle as the government begins to ramp up enforcement of all of this. Right. So estate tax. So first of all, there's certain exchanges where people are selling things and not reporting it. That's a no-no. So the government's trying to track that like the Mickey Mantle basic card. Dude, we had a client. He made a couple hundred thousand off two James Harden rookie cards. Mm. Wow. Like, you know, and I'm like, you're a grown man and you're buying baseball cards. I know. Really? He's like, uh, I sold them and I made a quarter of a million. I'm like, all right, then. Yeah, that's that, right. that's big boy money. Uh, Gary V is yeah. still pushing all that stuff. And, you know, I'm talking about the cards he's buying and everything. So I know it's it's definitely a yeah, thing. So I mean, I'm not, and, and yeah, and I haven't paid much attention to Gary V. So, um, the estate tax, you know, the government, here's part of the problem with that. The government can come in and evaluate your stuff when you die the way you want, the way they want. And then it's on you to fight them and tell them they're wrong. So, and now it's a problem only if you go over 10 million ish. But the point in all of that is, is the government is going to be ramping up their enforcement. It doesn't mean you should be scared. It just means tighten everything down. And a little bit of, you know, five minutes a day of having a mileage log in your car, a mileage tracking app, and recording if you went out to lunch, who you went out to lunch with, and why it was business related. And keeping all that will save you a ton down the road. So we'll prep and do a specific, like, here's all your tax saving tips for the year. I can do a whole hour on that, no yep. problem. I just didn't get it all ready for today. And I, I don't want to wing it on yeah. that sort of stuff. That makes sense. We had a good uh, question from, I think this says Smiley PJ. Uh, sorry if I butcher the, I'm the worst at trying to, I'm not good at reading license plates either. 
So what are the implications of buying a home now in a seriously inflated market? In fact, I think you just put up a post kind of talking a little bit about this, if I'm not mistaken. And then how does it compare to, say, overpaying for a car? Interesting question. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> First of all, have I told you what's going on with my car? Yeah, dude, I think we've all been watching. And, and uh, Oh, my God. You, you so had me. You here. Let me tell you a backstory real quick on this. Because we owned an A4 and it saved Ivana's life. It was awesome, right? It, well, not that it needed to save her life, but that it did. It was incredible. She got in a horrible car accident on the 405 freeway, which if you're from Southern California, like the biggest highway, five cars. She was the fourth car hit. I mean, unreal, right? Walked away from the accident. Hurt, but walked away. So we bought an A6 because she was like, let's go that. We had to lemon law that car and we'll never probably own another Audi. But then I saw yours because I always love Audis and I saw yours and driving and I'm like, maybe, maybe just maybe I can own an Audi again because I do like them a lot. And then... And then that fateful day and, and the beast just died on you. So so listen, listen to this, you guys. So I, all right, first of all, take all the financial and tax advice from us. Dominic knows sales and business and buying businesses and investing in businesses. And I know a lot of the tax stuff and where to stash your money when it's not actively deployed. Do not ever, under any circumstances, take car buying advice from me I can't speak to Dominic, but do not do what I do not do what I say. Just ignore it altogether because I had two Jaguars. So right around 9-11, the original 9-11, I had called a car dealership to look at one of their Jaguars, which is an XJR. So it's the, the old four-door, low body style, like something James Bond would drive, you know, that they didn't give him. It was just a cool looking car and it was 400 horsepower. I could take a Corvette off the line with it. And what happened was that a demo car there, 911 hits, and now all of a sudden they can't get rid of any of their cars. So they kept calling me and lowering the price and lowering the price and lowering the price. And finally I'm like, yeah, I got to buy this car. And so buy the car. Car's great. I have another kid. We turn around and um, it was completely, actually, no, I already had Lexi. It was completely impractical for our family because the seat, back seat is really small. Trying to get three kids in there wasn't happening. So I went and got an Escalade, which, by the way, was a great car. I had two of those, loved them. And um, anyway, and sold the car to my aunt. My aunt died and... In 10 years, it put like 9,000 miles on it. So I got the car back from the estate, drove it a few more years, but now it started falling apart, right? It's an old car. It's been around a long time. So I go and get another Jaguar, an XFR. So smaller four-door, not as good looking, but love that car right up until about 70,000 miles. And then one thing after another goes wrong with that. So then we turn around and my wife, I got to get rid of this car. When you're on a first name basis with the lot boy at the dealership and everyone knows like, oh, hey, Ron, you're back again. Like, eh, I'm back again. So fast forward, my wife is like, you got to get an Audi. Like, I'll divorce you if you get another Jaguar. And I'm like, you know, I like I like Beach Brownie. I want to keep her around. All right. This, these were foolish purchases. So I get this RS7. I love this car. But she's got an Audi Q5. Well, Earlier this year, they had to replace her engine on the Audi Q5, the whole engine, like a $21,000 warranty repair. And again, it was a known issue for Audi and stuff like that. 
Well, five weeks ago, I'm pulling into my favorite breakfast place and my engine dies. And it turns out they're like, well, the ignition coils went out. All right, whatever. Warren, will cover it. Then, and by the way, the lesson here is never buy a car without the extended warranty. That's one thing that I've got my money back so many times over because I buy stupid cars. So, Dom, listen to this. They call me earlier this week. They're like, that didn't work. You're going to need a new engine. So a new engine on my car, if they approve it, $45,000. Now, I didn't pay much more than that for the car because I got it, you know, three years old when I got it. But anyway, so, you know, and from the parking lot of the dealership, I mean, not the dealership, the restaurant is I'm stranded and I just come from physical therapy. So I'm like, you know, sweaty and in shorts. And I'm like, babe. I just want you to know I'm a little angry with you right now. <laughs> I just want to say just how do you have to talk me a better car? Okay, I love you. I'll see you tonight. <laughs> I gotta go. Anyway, here's the difference on houses versus cars appreciating versus depreciating. Well, he here he clarified the question a little bit. He actually said okay, a follow-up while you were ranting about Audis. He said, Well, I'm speaking more to the equity and whether I would ever be able to catch up to what I owe. So, um, okay, so first let's back up. My opinion is, and I will be recording some videos and writing a thread on this on Twitter, you're better off paying less for the house at a higher interest rate because you can turn around and refinance that interest rate the minute the housing prices come down. But if you overpay for a house by a hundred or two hundred thousand, you're never gonna get that money back. Sure. Or at least you will, but you won't anytime soon. So one of the things that we're seeing now is a lot of people backing off of the market. And I mean, one of my clients told me 20% of her escrows got canceled just in the last two weeks. People right. are just freaking out, backing out. And I would, and this is opinion, totally opinion, I would wait a little bit longer. I think prices are going to come down even more. So, however, at least if you overpay for a house, the long-term trend on a house is it will appreciate in value, even if you it dips and you need a while to get some equity on it. Whereas cars, by and large, unless we're talking about a specific collector's item, right. cars are going to depreciate over time in value. Now, we're in a weird bubble where airplanes and RVs and cars have all kind of maintained their value because of COVID economy and, you know, all the money that got pumped into the, the market. That's transitory. That That's an anomaly. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's an anomaly in the matrix. So I would say don't overpay for either if you can avoid it. But if you have to pick one, you're better off going with the house. Then you are the car because again, over time and once we're out of this market, cars will go back to depreciating pretty quickly. Here's what I, I think there's an element with uh, cars for sure. I, I get that. Like secondary market on watches, you and I have talked about that before. Uh, secondary market softened even up that, a lot. Even that know? market, yeah, that market has come down. Yeah, it's down to 25, 30% depending on the watch and, and stuff. But you know, it's interesting though, when you think about, uh, I think when it comes to a house, Matt, um, I always get his last name wrong. Shanlian? Is that how you say his Shanlian. last name? Shanlian. Yeah, our mortgage 
mortgage, mortgage guy. That we so love. season one, if you guys are interested, we had a whole discussion with a mortgage expert. In fact, we had a real estate expert on one week and then a mortgage expert on the following week. Season one, I don't know, middle of the season, eight, episode eight, nine, something like that. If you go to make more, keep more show.com, you can find those back episodes. Same, same for and all. You the, should. And you right should. There, there's there's some good you ones should. in there. You should go in there. Um, but I'm usually in a pretty good mood. Yeah. And uh, there uh, he actually came on. And I think one of the, the pieces and and uh, yes, it, our pleasure, Smiley PJ. Uh, so I would say um, um, you were you were grumpy R.O. this morning, if you were to use that handle, Ron. But anyway, so the uh, <laughs> the, uh, the, the the one thing he said is it really all depends on your budget. Right. And it also depends on what you're trying to do. So I think if you're buying an investment property and thinking about where you're going to be and, and such like, you know, the, oh, I want to turn this place, flip it. I want to rent it out. I want to make money on Airbnb, whatever, whatever the whatever the end game is there. Then that's one consideration. If you are got a growing family and have a budget and you need a house and you find a house that you can live in for the next 10 or 15 years, my impression is always being buy that house if it's within your budget because you, eventually it'll come back. You're less concerned with the dip because you're there. And it's it's kind of like your house hasn't really lost value unless you've sold it kind of scenario, right? Like kind of like stocks in some respects. Kind of so, like stocks. Yeah. yeah. So I think there's an element of that where you, you keep up with it. Will you get your equity back? Sure, at some point, right? But yeah, be really careful. I, I, I was thinking about this morning a little bit, just kind of in the context of the show and when we were thinking about it, I got some really great advice. I had an interesting situation. I think I talked about it a little bit a few months ago or last last season, maybe. And I have a buddy of mine. Who, one of these days, I'll convince him to get on this show. He's actually a really interesting guy, uh, very successful. And we were talking about I wanted to invest in Is another. Is this your golf buddy that you talk yeah. about? Like yeah, you talk thing. about my man crush. Yeah, that's fine. Go ahead. <laughs> so uh, you buy Jaguars and broken Audis. So, you know, we all have our things. So we, uh, so anyway, but he, I remember I was, I was, so, you know, we've had a couple of good years and things got, we've saved well and done some stuff and, and, uh, and, you know, saved up some money and, and I wanted to invest in something. And then I wanted to invest in another thing. And he finally says to me, he goes, man, that, that money is like burning a hole in your pocket. And I was like, no, it's not. And he's like, well, you keep looking for companies to invest in. You keep looking. He goes, it is. And I was like, Huh. He's like, get it out of your system. Go buy a watch or something, but don't burn the big cash on something until you're ready because you'll know when the right thing comes along. Well, lo and behold, that was like four or five months ago. Now him and I are going in on on Ryan's deal, the guest from a couple of weeks ago. We're going in on that thing pretty hard, putting together an investment package for that. And I'm so glad I listened to his advice to just wait for the right thing to come across. And I think there's an element of that with all of this stuff with the market right now is it's wait till the right thing comes along. Like if you find the right house, buy it. If it's your right situation, if you're like, oh man, I just got to buy a house. Yeah, you probably should wait because <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like rent. And I thought your post, I, I I think it popped up right before we did the show. So I didn't like digest your post, but I read it. It was something like, don't be scared to rent is essentially what your point was. Like, don't be scared to rent. It's not a big deal, right? You got to have a house. It's just an expense. It is what it is. And then wait for the right, uh, right situation to come along. And I think that's with with everything. I mean, look at the guys who bought at the high of the secondary market for watches because they didn't want to wait around for a, a watch to come from a dealer. Right. Like, I know that's something I'm into. I know that's a random reference, but like it's crazy. You have to wait months and months and months if you want a Rolex or an AP or something. You have to wait forever. But you buy it at market 
the guys who bought it at the high are now seeing, you know, that AP you could have bought for 80 grand if you'd waited, you bought for 200 and it's worth 140 now. And that's tough. Like, you know, that's, that's a, that's a, that's a hit. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think just patience is everything. Um, Ivan, well, Yvonne, maybe Yvonne Mallory. Sorry if I butchered that set up. What about multifamily investments? I'm assuming clarify this if we're wrong. Yeah, I'm assuming she means like, even though the market's, you know, softening, what do we do as a multifamily investment? Yeah, what's your thoughts? Yeah. So first of all, the minute you turn around and you go over five units, all your financing changes. Mm -hmm. So you go to commercial financing and you go to, you know, which is actually easier to get, believe it or not, than, than residential, yeah. what they deem residential financing. What I would say is, there's a couple of things. If you're going to get into any field, um, real estate's the number one thing that I see people dive into with no idea what they're doing. So they'll be like, I want a rental. I'll be like, great. What are you going to do? You know, well, I want to get a rental because I'm going to make money. Great. What's your margins? What's what are you going to spend? And I get, I like the idea of people wanting to do more than they're currently doing. I love that, but the problem is if you don't know what you're doing, we want that property to cash flow right away, or at least be break even, or at least if you're going to lose money on it, we know how much and you can absorb that, mm -hmm. and we know when you're going to come out of it. So at the very least, I'm always like, go take a real estate course. Not to be an agent, because you don't need that. In fact, if you're trying to invest in real estate, being an agent can help and hurt. Sure. Can I get an amen if any real estate agents are on here? Because you have to disclose to anybody you're going to buy their house that you are, in fact, an agent, even if you're not acting like one. Um, on the other hand, you get access to the MLS and things like that. So... There are guys that teach courses on specifically multifamily units and what to look for and how to read cap rates. And all I would say is that education time, that waiting period, just like if you were going to dive into the high-end watch market or the crypto markets, any time that you spend researching to just kind of understand, you know, hey, what, what's the highest it's traded for in the last 24 months? What's the lowest it's traded for? Um what should you look for in a multi-unit? What locations, where are the rents higher relative to the cost of purchasing them? That time will be very well spent, particularly when the markets are overheated because you don't want to jump in and overpay. Um, and so that's a great time to go and study that. And I, I would just say it's cash flow. So one of my buddies on Twitter, Shadow Rents, is his name and that's his name um shadow I, I don't know why his parents named him that he's a good dude we met last year down in virginia beach um randomly where he posted on twitter that he was going to be in virginia beach the same two days that i happened to be there i'm like dude i'm there let's hook up and um he buys all rural real estate like rural homes rents them out for like five six hundred bucks a month you know, and I think it's like in, you know, kind of hillbilly areas where you can shoot them if they don't pay their rent legally. <laughs> I don't have that. I don't know if that's true, but I kind of imagine it is. I'm not sure that's legal usually in the U.S. Oh, in general, but, you know, yeah, whatever. I think, I think you get down in the, you know, some of those areas, I think you can do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, anyway, so 
so that's his niche that he knows. He's got a guide on Twitter for 100, 200 bucks that'll walk you through how to do it. There's another guy, I think his name is Lance Edwards, that's all on how to buy small part mess. Nothing crazy. I got a client right now that's buying like 50 units at a time. So I won't say where he's at. I, I won't say what he does that allows him to do that, but he's got a great paying job. He's, he's, and he's taking all of his salary, basically living on a minimum amount, and he's just stacking and buying these units. And I'm like, damn, you're like doing really good with this. And then he's like, oh, I'm going to be here next week because we we're going to schedule a meeting while he's got a coach. He's got someone helping him do that. Sure. So I would just say, yeah, all of it's good if you're making money and all of it sucks if you're losing money. <laughs> so find an area. Yeah, that's deep, right? Yeah, that was... Find an area that you like. And so but, um, I'll give you one more thing on this. Um, by the way, for whoever asked about the course, keep what's yours. It is both financial and tax advice and structure. Um, so definitely check it out. If you think it sucks, let us know. But we're actually going to be upgrading that course as well. Probably starting next week and adding some live coaching and some live one-on-ones that are a little more um, focused, shall we say, than the, the podcast here. Um, anyway, so where were we, Dominic? Housing, getting stuff. Multi-unit. The original was multi-family was one of the original the original question yeah. that we needed. So, if you're so, making money, it's but, great. If you're losing money, it's not. yeah. There's a writer oh, downer. I know what I was going to say. <laughs> I know what I was going to say. So Ron Legrand. If any of you guys know who Ron Legrand is, he's an OG Dan Kennedy guy that I know from a mastermind group that would teach people. He was like the late night infomercial crowd of how to get rich in real estate. He was a mechanic that uh, went to a real estate class, learned it, and actually became the guru. And this old, this old dude knows more than anybody I've ever met mm. about the whole thing. He knows commercial. He knows residential. He knows ugly houses, pretty houses. And he's got a great boot camp that you can go to. However, when I tried to do his style of investing, which is where you drive out, visit these properties, try to put them under contract with other financing, I hated every second of it. Mm. I made money at it, but it just wasn't me. So I am way more interested now as the markets are beginning to cool off. I We are looking at multifamily and things like that, like five units plus or little small apartment buildings and things like that. And that's probably where I'll de be deploying some capital in the next you know, couple of years here. So I just realized I did not like going out to people's houses. I didn't like being nice to them. Um, not that I wanted to be mean to them. I just didn't <laughs> want to do it. And it took away from the tax and financial practice, you know, which is my bread and butter. And I just, it wasn't what I wanted to do on a Saturday or on a Friday night. I'd be much happier, you know, mixing up a batch of Manhattans or flying an airplane. Sure. You know, so, so you got to know what you enjoy. So self-storage you know, is a whole other area that there's experts in. College rentals is a whole other area where you get, you know, places close to colleges and then rent them out to the students. There's lots of ways to do that. Just make sure you know what you're doing before you dive in. For sure. Well, that makes sense. We have somebody trying. We have a request to join King Roman. I, I'm sure you're a wonderful person. 
we are not letting you on the podcast today. <laughs> but if you have a question, so, you can ask it. Yeah, you can type your question in, but you're not coming on live, all right? Anyway, I, I don't, yeah. <laughs> anyway. It's best is when your imposters show up. That's really the funnest part. That's honestly, yeah. I got another one, man. I know. Ron Carruthers with two A's in the middle. Like, yeah, you know, hello there, sir. Would you like to talk about your crypto strategy? You know, and then people are, for the occasional ones who get fooled, they're like, yeah, man, give me a call. Oh, well, I'm far too busy to talk to you. Of course they are. That's awesome. Uh, so, yeah, so we've covered um, a few few things today. Again, if you guys have questions to make more Keep More Show, feel free to for, jump in here. We're talking taxes, multifamily investments, uh, units. We had a nice little thank you, by the way. You may have dropped off, but uh, from Smiley PJ. So, uh, so thank you for, for the kind words. That he was, said he was, was going to cool. tune in. He is now officially. See, now official. Well, I think I saw lovely CJP. Oh, there she And right on cue, yeah. I just said, can you, uh, can you chat a bit more about gifting and how the IRS tracks will start tracking that? Yeah, that's, a, I mean, that's an interesting one, right? Because there's a couple ways, like you said, like putting your children on, payroll and there's ways to do some stuff but but what's the what are they looking for what is the issues with gifting um so okay so i think you were telling me about the guy who had his clients gifting rolexes uh yeah ap's and yep and and pateks and so it was clearly a payment for services rendered that he thought he was being clever and getting someone to, to to gift him. And it was great. Right up until he pissed off one of his clients and they called the IRS, mm-hmm. dimed him, and then the IRS came and just absolutely straight cleaned him out. So first of all, and we got this question, I did a, um, a class for a bunch of crypto investors a long time ago. And... Um, so anyway, we were chatting about that. And again, that was one of the questions that I like where their head's at, which is like, hey, can I give them something? And they give me an NFT and we kind of do that. Be really, really careful about that one because a true gift. Now, let me give you an example of like a true gift. You can gift your kids some stock, let them appreciate it stock that you've done more than a year, let them sell it and they can be in a zero tax bracket. Okay, but that's legit. They're they're your kids. There's a legit reason. You want to be very careful of the gifting to each other for services rendered. And again, all it takes is one client that gets mad at you and phones that in. And that is the sort of thing that one of those 87,000 new IRS agents would be very happy to follow up on. We had a client years ago um, who rented an extra room. And she had to kick the tenant out. Single mom raising her kids and this dickhead tenant then turns around and calls the IRS and they came in an auditor because she hadn't been reporting the income. And the crazy part is all she had to do was report it and then she could have taken her mortgage costs against it and she would have been fine. But because she didn't do that and no, we didn't find out about it until after the audit was over. She wasn't a tax client of ours. Um, she was a financial and college client. So we didn't even know about any of this um, until afterwards, but that's all it takes. So just be really careful. If you're truly giving a gift, you can do all kinds of stuff, right? particularly with family members. There's legitimate strategies in there, but working for someone and then claiming, um, claiming that it's a gift, 
be careful about one because all it takes is one. Awesome. I love the question that's coming. Go ahead. By the way, now you're committing fraud. Yeah. Which is a whole different level. And we've seen people go to jail for fraud. Right. Um, so, you know, you, you overstate your deduction. Eh, they get a little grumpy with you and they'll smack your wrist. You don't report income egregiously. And by deliberately trying to defraud them, they can go hard on you. And, yeah. and if you, you upset them and are not appropriately deferential to them, they can flip it over. And that's what happened to one person I know where, again, we weren't the accountant. We had nothing to do with it. But he, he, filed, he did some mistakes on his taxes. They were, they were pretty blatant. And, but what, got, what cost him six months in prison was his, mm-hmm. his original tax attorney got smart with the IRS agent and thought he'd be cute with them and insult them. And the IRS agent was like, screw me. No, actually, screw your client. I'm referring this. This, this audit's over. We're referring this to our criminal division. Yeah. No, I have a so friend of mine who nothing to be scared of. Nothing to be scared of. The rule book is there for you to take legal advantage of. And so there's lots of things that you can do to lower your taxes legitimately. We don't have to go down the road of some of these things, but we're really careful if you're gifting in terms of payment and things like that. Yeah, and and it's interesting. Like, and this kind of comes along that we got a couple of really good questions I want to get to, but but I think cool. you um, but I think it's interesting too when you talk about there's a difference between kind of gaming your tax returns a little bit and trying to take a little bit more and reporting an extra few hundred dollars in donations or what you know that's one thing. Uh, taking cash payments from somebody and not reporting any of that if that gets found out, you're toast, right? We have a buddy of mine who, a very good friend of mine, who spent a year in prison because of that. And, you know, when they decide they they are going to go after you, they go after you hardcore. And I was actually a friend of mine was telling me about accepting rent payments uh, in cash because he rents to a a uh, uh, I think it's a weed grower, you know, uh, but and the guy can't bank anywhere. So he pays everything in cash. And he's like, oh, it's cool. It's under table. I just I pay all my guy. And I was like, yeah, you gotta stop doing that. Like that's you got to be careful because my a friend of mine literally went to prison for the exact same business model. Like but he did work with the weed companies and. And all good, but they paid him under the table. Somebody found out, done. Like you're toast, right? So just be really careful yeah. about that. But and again, let's go back to your 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 friend who uh, somebody asked, "What's today's topic of discussion?" We have no idea. It's all you things know, finance. Yeah, we're just getting some old questions. We'll have like an actual theme later. But you should really go back and listen to it if you're just joining us, and you can find all that at Make More Keep More show.com yep um but just real quickly because i know we've only got a few minutes left here you can accept payments in cash you can pay your guys in cash Mm -hmm. what you want to do though is report it to the irs yep you know that's just again that's not being that's not me being like you should be a good boy and girl and report your income it's a practical strategy because the Again, your client, your friend or whoever it was could have reported the cash payment from the weed guy that was living in his house and then turned around and taken a free ton of deductions against his yep. rental that probably would have canceled out the income anyways. And the IRS would have been fine with that because he reported the income, but he didn't report the income. Now that rises to the level of fraud, particularly if it's done over any sort of period of time. Yep. So again, the the theme, whoever asked, because your name scrolled by, 
if there was one, was there's we were, we started off by talking about the IRS, you know, packing a ton of the ammo and supposedly about to add eighty seven thousand agents. Um, and should you be scared? And the answer is absolutely not. Yep. You should never fear an audit. Just keep your records tight. But we talked about some things you could do and some things you really didn't want to do here. And one of them is report your cash. Again, we'll find ways to write off yep. against it, but report your cash. Why well, they think... fried one guy? They fried one guy years ago up in LA, Beverly Hills area, because this idiot was taking cash and wanted um he was claiming that his income for the year was nineteen thousand dollars but he was trying to write off like a couple hundred thousand of like car payments and all kinds of stuff and they were like well wait where is this going you know and it turns out oh oops our bad it was actually 1.9 million not nineteen thousand. so sorry yeah. and the artist was like no you're actually not that sorry we're, we're gonna come down hard on you all right. What other questions do you have? Doctor? All right. So we had one from I am Mickey baby. Uh, so the, the question is oddly specific to a region. I don't know your expertise in Dallas. I don't have a lot of expertise, but do you think that for my first purchase should be a multifamily in the Dallas area or in the outskirts of Dallas? I have a friend who actually lives on the outskirts of Dallas and is absolutely killing it depending on where you are. Cause like the PGA is moving their headquarters, uh, to right outside there. And they're going to build, they're building multiple courses with big PGA tournaments, possibly even majors being played in the outside the Dallas downtown area. It's a growing city. But I beyond that, I have no freaking idea. I got nothing. Yeah. I so I would say um, everything comes from like what Ron was talking about earlier with the multifamilies. Do your research. What are rents looking like? Talk to some experts in your local area. Find a really good agent who specializes in that type of stuff. Um, you know, I'm sure if you need it, you can DM one of us and we can reach out to our network and see who's good in that area. Um, but it's, it's a little specific for us to be able to answer, but multifamilies are great investment. But like Ron said earlier, research, what are rents like in that area? What's the market been like? Look, what's the trends? What's, what's going on? I mean, things like the PGA moving in, big employers moving in, those are helpful for long-term investments, but I just don't know Dallas personally well enough yeah, to give you that, a strict like answer. taking car advice from me. The yeah. only advice I have is don't buy a Jaguar or, or apparently an Audi <laughs> in Toyota. Like, just go to the Toyota dealership. Like, I want the worst Toyota you guys sell. Like, just the cheapest one. It's going to run forever. Uh, that's hilarious. You saw, I got a funny story on this, and then we'll get to a real question here. But so related to the car thing. So my mom, you know my mom. Uh, bless her. You know your mom, uh, anyway, the fact that we always sigh when we mention her tells you a lot, but, yeah. um, but, uh, so she bought a new car, which is like, she's literally driven hand-me-down cars as far as, uh, as I've, I've, I've ever known her. Um, but anyway, actually, no, years ago, she bought one brand new car. So she finally bought a car. It was a year old. She bought a Lexus, but she was telling me her, her research process. I had no idea. She would literally, when she, she goes on walks around her neighborhood and she was literally like everybody who had a Lexus, she would go up and ring their doorbell and ask them what they think of their car. And I was like, all right, well, only my mom could do that. But, you know, this white haired 76 year old lady walking up and asking, you know, whatever. But anyway, so. Um, By the way, my tow truck driver that was towing the Audi to the dealership was like, Audi, very bad car, very Jaguar, very bad car. Mercedes, very good car. <laughs> Lexus, very good car. 
So you know what? I, I actually think I am going to look at Alexis next time. I don't even like them. They're boring. I don't mean, get Just get a Mercedes. Yeah, they're kind of boring. But I don't, I'm a little nervous about the, the Germans here. Oh, no, man. I've had multiple Mercedes. Uh, my last one was that AMG C-Class. Oh, my God. I love that car. I, I do miss that car. I mean, I have my Mustang, so I'm not that bad. But I bought a GS350 a few years ago, Lexus. It's the single most boring car I've ever driven. And yeah, it, it had like, power. It had everything. It looks good, but God, I hated that car. It just it's like driving a couch down the freeway. Oh, it's brutal. Oh, yeah. All right, do so okay. Karen, yes, Karen. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce your last name, Karen. I'm sorry, but legally separated for five years. Should you file shared or head of household? Um, it depends on whether you have kids or not. So if you have kids and you're taking care care of them, excuse me, your options are married filing jointly excuse me, married filing separately, head of household. So if you have kids, head of household is going to give you higher brackets. And so you will pay less taxes. But if you go married filing separately, you're basically in the single person's rate. There really isn't a shared rate necessarily, unless you guys do married filing jointly, which is probably what you bet. Um, so I'm not trying to be the grammar police on this one. Yeah. Um, I just want to clarify that. So if you guys can get along, it might work out better for you guys that way. And you can run it both ways. Oh, Christine, what's happening? Dr. Jeff. Because uh, uh, it, it doesn't, uh, that also a little depends because I ran into this is custody also on the children. You have to make some sort, if you do file separately, you have to make a decision on who's claiming the kids. And there has to be some legal stuff in there, right? If, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you get there's that that came back. We actually yeah. filed our taxes one year and got kicked back because my ex had actually filed as them as you know. They both file, yeah. Whoever gets in first will turn around and um, get the deduction or, or the yeah the exemption form. Although that went away, just so you know. Oh, really? The Taxpayer Relief Act of nineteen of uh, two thousand eighteen. I'm sorry, it's not the Taxpayer Relief Tax Cuts and Job Jobs Act. Taxpayer Relief Act of 97 is what created the Roth IRA, which, as we mentioned earlier, turns 25 today. Woohoo. Um, but the who claims them as an exemption basically did go away with the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act because there aren't any more exemptions. Now, you can take a child tax credit on that. So only and, and only one household is going to get it. So that's the stuff that you guys have to work about. Yep. Work out. Oh, and the baby giant. Yeah, the baby giant. I know. As soon as it's over, that's my kid running for others. Who I'm spending the day with, who starts law school two weeks from Monday at UT Austin. Longhorns. Um, this is a great question. Yeah. Let me make this one the last one. At what AGI should I start thinking about filing as an S corp as opposed to an LLC? Great question. So, and it's from the mayor because it's Mayor Louise. So, okay. So first of all, let me clarify something. We're going to run a couple minutes over, but um, it'll be great. And then Dominic, anything else we'll just save till next yep. time. Um, an LLC is the vanilla ice cream of the corporate world. So when you have an LLC that stands for limited liability corporation, there is no specific tax filing that goes along with that. What you have to do is elect how you want it to be taxed. So you can say, if it's just you, Mayor Louise, you can say it's a disregarded entity. It's going to show up right on your personal return on a Schedule C 
the same as if you're a sole proprietor, which is essentially what you are with some legal protection that the LLC provides. Or you can elect to be a C corporation, an S corporation, a partnership, any of those other things. So the S corporation main advantage is that you can take on a, on a Schedule C business, a sole proprietorship, you have to pay self-employment tax, which is about 16% all the way up to about $143,000 of income. I think it's right in there. So that is on $140,000, 16 times $140,000 works out to about $20,000 of self-employment taxes on top of, yeah, 22000 on top of any state and federal taxes. So this is just additional because as a self-employed individual, you're playing both the employer side of it, that if you work for somebody else, they pay, and your side of the Social Security. So with an S-Corp, let's say you turned around and said, okay, I'm going to pay a salary of 60000 We've now taken, assuming you were making that amount before, you were netting 140. We've now taken $80,000 that you would have had to pay that 16% on. And now it's going to come as a draw, as a profit from your S-Corp. You'll still owe state, you'll still owe federal on it, but you will not owe the self-employment portion of it. So now our savings on that are 3000 times 16%, about $12,000, $13,000. So anytime you're over about 40 or 50 or 60,000 in net profit, probably when you should start to look at getting an S-Corp in place, that'll save you. And we've, we've had clients come to us. We're like, yeah, my person set up an S-Corp for me and told me I had to do an S-Corp. I'm like, great. They're like, yeah, I'm paying myself $140,000 in salary and relate. No, that didn't do you any good, except for the protection component, mm-hmm. or you can have more than one owner. So, um, Dominic, is that it for today on the Make More Keep More Show? If they can't get enough, if the people want more, they go to makemorekeepmoreshow.com. Awesome. That's exactly right. And or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Uh, definitely a lot, a lot of folks uh, starting to we should actually market that thing once in a while, you know, because there's a lot of folks listening to it now on the podcast side of it. So uh, yeah, that's we should we, we should, but we don't. But <laughs> by the by the way, how many kidneys? How many kidneys do you have, Dominic? How many kidneys? Two. How many kidneys? All right. Well, you don't need two of them. I said I was going to treat for the Buffalo Bills at the Rams on uh, opening night. these tickets we're gonna get them dominic we're going but we might be sitting up with the poor folks i know but we have have to get down with your aunt afterwards right or something we can we can slide no my aunt has a my aunt has a box over there so um she's actually friends with vince ferragamo if any of you guys are old enough to remember him he's an old rams quarterback that took him to the super bowl didn't win but took them and so she somehow ended up with a box with them. So I think we just need to get the cheap enough to get into. If we wanted to go to the Houston Texans at Rams, those tickets are $6. (laughs) So I might go, I might take you to the the Houston Texans game and get you very, very drunk and be like, no man, it's the bills. You're having a great time. And we are going to get Dr. Jeff on the, on the podcast. Dr. Jeff, I was thinking about that the other day and we just got distracted. 
we get a super cool doctor, Dominic, who does like some real estate stuff and syndication stuff that I think the people need to know about. I love it. I love it. So anyway, we'll get you on, Jeff. I'll reach out to you. I think my people uh, scheduled that appointment anyway, so we'd love to have you. But, uh, Dom, you got any final words for us? Oh, dude, and Ramstein. I forgot about Ramstein is playing in September. I already have those tickets. Nice. So. That's you. Uh, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to football season is upon us, folks. That's exciting news. I am. Uh, I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited about that part. So. Cool. All right, guys, we're out. Sorry for running over. We'll be back next Friday. We will not be here on the 9th of uh, September because it's the day after opening day. And I don't think either one of us will be in shape to run a show that day. Oh, no, I think we so, have to run the show that day. That's going to be <laughs> good times. I think we should just do it from the Rams parking lot on Thursday. <laughs> yeah, where we're still sleeping. Game. Yeah. <laughs> yep. All right, guys. It was a pleasure, as always, and I apologize for my uh, bad news. Um, I, oh, we got it. We, dude, he's my hero, Doctor Jeff. I, I, the Andrew Whitworth, dude, that dude is just an absolute stud. I was so glad to see him get his ring. He, he was awesome on the Bengals. He, I, just absolute stud. So, tell him he's awesome. He knows that already, but you know that's awesome. Cool. Well, Ron froze up, so we'll uh, see y'all later. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>